0: Good morning. If you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. We've been moving through the book of Exodus now for a little more than a year. And uh, it's been a wondrous journey, quite honestly, I, I, that I don't want to end. We've already looked at these chapters several times uh, Exodus 32 through 34. Uh, Exodus 32 is, is that golden calf incident that God uh, at Mount Sinai gives Israel the Ten Commandments. He gives Israel the law, and they, they have a covenant ceremony. Uh, Moses goes back up into the mountain, and he is delayed there uh, for 40 days. He's there with God. God's giving him instructions for building the tabernacle where God's presence will dwell among the people of Israel, and uh, but while that is going on, Israel down below is making a golden calf and bowing down and worshiping to it, uh, or worshiping it rather. And so I, I want us to just have that context. And uh, today I, I do, with Thanksgiving coming, I, I want to help you, I want to help me, I want God's word to help us be thankful to God um, just this week I you know was scanning through different verses on thankfulness. Uh, I knew I wasn't going to be preaching on those verses, but I'm like, you know, I, I just want to know what the Bible says about thankfulness. And I mean, the Bible is filled with verses that command us to be thankful always in every circumstance. even in our anxiety, we're to be praying with thanksgiving uh, to to God and and so there, there's all these commands. we, we can be one hundred percent sure. That God desires us to be thankful, but uh, as I was thinking through, you know how I would handle today, it, it kind of dawned on me. Well, thankfulness is not something true. Thankfulness is not something that you can just command and say, "Okay, I will do that," because thankfulness isn't just something you do, like you do the dishes or, or kids, you do your homework. Like it, it's not just steps you walk through thankfulness. Thankfulness at its root is something you feel, right? That you feel thankful. You have thankfulness in your hearts. That, by the way, is Colossians 3.16, I think it is, that to have thankfulness in your hearts. That's, that's where true thankfulness, true thanksgiving flows from. And so it dawned on me that, that it would not be helpful uh, you know, for me to just show you the commands, be thankful, be thankful, quit grumbling, quit complaining, quit quit being discontent with life, and just be thankful, that's not all that helpful. Like, it's good to know the command is there, but we need more, don't we? Because if, if being thankful and, and thanksgiving flows from a feeling, then we need help in actually feeling thankful, and so it's interesting, I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's what I want to do this week, and I'm going to do it from Exodus, you know, that we're already studying. And the reason I, I knew that I could do it from Exodus that we're already studying is, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't like run a test on this, but I'm pretty sure that I could preach any sermon in the Bible and show you how it should make us feel thankful to God. I, I could preach on hell today, um, and, and and I could show you how that should make us be thankful to God. I mean, that's not a difficult one, is it, right? If hell exists, if it's terrible, if it is separation from God, if it is punishment for sin, we should be thankful to God that we don't experience it. So I could, you know, we, we sang at the beginning here, 10,000 reasons. Like, we have way more than 10,000 reasons to be thankful, and so I was not nervous about uh, being able to to um, use this sermon, preach it faithfully, and show you how it should make us thankful thankful to God. And and, and we we could systematically do this in every aspect, every area of our lives, both the highs and the lows, both what feel like blessings and what feel like burdens. We could see how we can be thankful in those. And so I want to do that today uh, specifically with prayer, because all through Exodus 32 to 34, it is an extended prayer Between uh, Moses and God. God is angry that Israel has turned to idolatry. God wants to pour his wrath out and it turns Moses to prayer. And so I want to show you today why all of us who have trusted in Christ Jesus, all of us who have a relationship with God through Jesus, should be overflowing with thankfulness that prayer exists, that we have the ability. By the way, this is miraculous. That we have the ability to talk to God, to the God of the universe. Like This is what I want us to be thankful for, and, but I don't want us to just say, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to be thankful for prayer. I want us to have concrete reasons why we should feel thankful. Like I, I want that it to be a true and genuine feeling in our hearts for why we should be thankful that God has given us this undeserved gift of being able to communicate with God him and so that is what we will be doing today and i, I want to mention this by the way before we even get going this is an area of my life that god has really been drilling uh, personally um, prayer and i mean it started with conviction you know of, of realizing man my prayer life is not what it has always been like uh, there, there have been seasons that my prayer life was, was much stronger and i, and I, and I feel like, you know, I start to think back, like, how much have I actually just sat there and communed with God and prayed to God and pled with God and uh, praised God in prayer? And, and, and like, this, this conviction started in me. I mean, I could, I could, the list could go on and on, but um, <laughs> I finished a book one night that I was reading. I'm like, okay, what's, what's the next book going to be? And I opened my, my Kindle, and I'm, I'm looking, and I realize, oh, I didn't finish this book that I started. What's the book? Prayer by Tim Keller. So I'm in the middle of reading Prayer by Tim Keller. Um, I met with Pastor Dave, or ex-Pastor Dave, he used to, you know, was pastor here, um, with us. I met with him for lunch, and he and I were just having a good time talking, and just kind of out of the blue, he says, hey, do you and Hallie pray together every day? You and your wife, do you you pray together every day? And, and, uh, I was kind of sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I'm already convicted about prayer, (laughs) and, uh, and I'm like, no, no, uh, to, to my shame, like uh, Hallie and I do not pray together as often as we should, and it certainly is not every day. And, and here's what, what Dave told me. He said, you know, that is a lesson that took me 35 years of marriage to learn. I don't want it to take you 35 years to learn about prayer, like you, how important that is between you and your wife. And, and so he just encouraged me in that way. He didn't condemn me for, for it. Um, and so it was just another instance of prayer. Then, uh, on Wednesday, I don't know if you guys remember John and Aaron Kloosterheist. They are missionaries in the Czech Republic. They've come here uh, once or twice and spoken uh, missionaries there in the Czech Republic. Well, on Wednesday, uh, John calls me uh, from, from, from the Europe and, and says, Hey, Jeff, uh, I've got some Czech missionaries that are in the States right now, and they need a place to stay tomorrow night. And uh, I'm like, okay, uh, we're actually going to be out of town all day tomorrow until the evening, but whatever, like, we'll do it, you know. Um, and so the, the all that to say, these Czech missionaries come, we didn't know them at all. Like, I didn't know anything about them. And they got there about 9 p.m. on Thursday evening. I stayed up with that guy sitting on a couch until 2 a.m., just sitting there praying. And much of the conversation was was just like, even like, You know what what's going on in your your life jeff and and like are you praying about that and then let's just do it right now let's pray and i mean it is one of the longest prayer sessions i've had in a very long time with this random guy i didn't know about and didn't even know was coming to my house uh, and to, I'm very tired, by the way, because the last couple days I've stayed up very late praying with this guy and his wife and Hallie, uh, you know, end up coming into it as well. But I'm just like, man, God, you're doing something. You're, you're, you're trying to teach me something about prayer. And what I've learned about prayer and, and about all thankfulness and unthankfulness is when we don't, uh, when we're not thankful for something, we, we can know that we're taking some gift for granted, like God has given us prayer, but I lately, for whatever reason, for a million different not good excuses, have taken it for granted. And when you take something for granted, you begin to ignore it. So God has this wondrous gift of prayer, and then we ignore it. We, it's like this amazing gift that, that we maybe kind of unwrapped, and then we just leave it sitting there to collect dust and and, and the, because of that, we're not overflowing with thankfulness. We're not seeing how valuable, how great this gift is. And, and so we're, we're not thankful. We become discontent. We become whiners, complainers, gripers, instead of overflowing with gratefulness. So I want to do that with prayer today. I want to show you why this is such a wondrous gift. I want to show you why it should overflow your heart with thanksgiving. And I want to show you why you should engage in it more often. Why you should set aside other things to spend more time in prayer. And I want to do that from Exodus 32 through 34. We won't be able to read every little bit, but we'll look mainly at the prayers in these two chapters. So here is the first principle. I've only got two main principles for today that I want you to learn. Reasons why you should be thankful, overflowing with thankfulness towards prayer, and you should be engaged in prayer that first one is this be thankful that god answers prayer be thankful that god answers prayer now now here's what here's what i mean like i am able to call up the white house i'm able to send mail to uh the president if i want to you can send mail to the santa claus if you want to i don't you know but it doesn't mean my prayer my 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 uh phone message or my mail will actually be read that my, my phone message will actually be heard and it certainly does not mean that my request that i make to the white house or whatever will be answered but this is what we see with prayer is that god has given us a means of communication that you christian you can talk to me you human you can talk to me and i will not only hear you but i will answer your request. And this is what we see happen in Exodus uh, chapters 32 through 34, is a wondrous hearing of prayer from God, but not only that, an answering of prayer. And I want to show you just how wide this gap is between what was going to take place, what really was going to take place, and what actually happened. In Exodus 32, um, So the golden uh, calf happens, and and God is telling Moses about it. And this is uh, verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I might make a great nation of you. So, So God's saying, Moses... You go ahead and go back down the mountain. Just get away from me. Maybe I don't recommend going in the camp, but you know, like I am going to let my anger burn hot against them. I am going to consume them because of this idolatry. Just 40 days ago, we were entering into this amazing covenant, and they have already broken the first two of the Ten Commandments. They have other gods before me, they have made graven images and bowed down and worshiped them. They have broken the 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 foundation of the covenant that we have made and they've done it so quickly they've so quickly turned away from me moses they deserve wrath and i'm going to give it to them this is what god is telling moses is threatening israel what is going to take place but then we see in exodus 33 uh, i'm just kind of going to skip to the the end the answer to this prayer. Yep, Exodus thirty three fifteen to seventeen. This is what what uh, what Moses is saying to God. And Moses said to him, to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, this very request that you have made, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Now, I meant to fill you in on some things. So Moses prays to God and and relents of destroying Israel right there in that moment. Uh, But then God kind of like has this back and forth of like, I'm not going to destroy them, but I'm not going to go with them anymore. Um, and, and so that's what Moses is saying. Is like If you're not going to go with us, then just, we're, we're just going to stay here and die because uh, we, we don't want to go anywhere. And so God, God says, okay, the thing you've spoken, I will do. So here's what happened. You just got to understand that the magnitude of this prayer answered. It went from Israel was going to be destroyed. It said uh, earlier 600,000 men, and then you have uh, women and children. So you're looking at uh, over a million people. God was going to turn and destroy them, and they deserved it. They rightly deserved to be destroyed, but they were going to be wiped out. God was going to start over, still fulfill his promises through Moses, but what we have here is a 180-degree turn. Not only does God refrain from bringing this destruction upon Israel, but he's still going to give them the promised land. He is still going to uh, give his presence to them. I mean, Moses in this prayer changed everything right there. It went from a massacre to God continuing to walk with and bless Israel with his presence. This is beautiful. And this happens because why? God gave the gift of prayer that humans can communicate with Him, and because God truly answers prayer. I don't have time to go into it today, but this is a great mystery. I I don't want to uh, downplay this of like, hey, you know, call up God and you can tell Him what to do. No, that that's not how this works. Uh, The the Bible is very clear that God is entirely sovereign over every minute and gigantic aspect of this world. God is in control. He is the all-wise decision-maker. He needs no input from humans for how to run this world. I mean, I just think of a couple of passages um, there in Psalm 115.3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Like, I mean, that, that God, God sits on His throne, and He does in this world, our world, all that he pleases. Uh, Ephesians 1.11 says, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. God's not, God doesn't work for us. Like, uh, you know, we are not in authority over God. Our prayers certainly are not. God is in control. He works according to the counsel of his will. We even see in Exodus 33.19, this is after God has said uh, th- this thing I will do. Like uh, after answering uh, Moses' prayer, he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. I mean that is a, a statement of the sovereign freedom of God to dispense or withhold mercy as he wills. That he can freely send destruction when it has deserved like he, he is free to do that and he is free to withhold that destruction to dispense grace. And mercy to whom he will. So there is no doubt that God is sovereign, that that, that God knows the end of the story uh, before he even created this world. And yet, the Bible is clear that God really hears and answers our prayer. God really said, Let me alone, Moses, that I may destroy them, that I may consume them. And Moses prays, and God turns from that disaster. And God says, okay, I will not only uh, not destroy them, but I'm going to remain with them. They'll keep my presence in response to Moses' prayers. And this, again, is, is just the teaching of the Bible, that though God is sovereign, he still does answer our requests. Matthew seven eleven, Jesus says, if you then who are evil, this is a, a comparative from the lesser to the greater, if you humans are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God, God responds. You ask and He, he gives. Uh, John 14, 14, Jesus said to His followers, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And uh, we see even in First John, this is uh, the Apostle John wrote this. He says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, toward God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. This is a gift of God, that we can talk to God, that he hears us, he listens to us, he acknowledges us, and he answers our requests. I I, I feel like this... Urging me to give a million nuances. He doesn't always answer in the exactly the same way that we're exp- God always answers our, our, our requests. I, I just want to make that point clear today that you can know if this is the confidence you can have towards Him that if you pray, God hears you. And, and, and if He hears that prayer, you have the request that you have asked of Him. Prayer changes the course of this world. What would otherwise happen will not happen through prayer. What would not happen will happen through prayer. What would be impossible becomes possible through prayer. This is what we have in prayer. It is access to almighty God to do what we cannot do to protect us from what we could not protect ourselves from to accomplish things Jesus talks about moving mountains. You know, you can move mountains. You could tell that mountain to go, be thrown into the sea. This is the power of prayer, not because we are powerful, but because God is. And this is the gift he has given us, that amazing things happen when we pray to God. He is sovereign, yes. And I know there's a great mystery there, but God really hears and really answers our prayers when it's in the name of jesus on the basis of jesus and what he has accomplished are, are being united to him when it's in his will that that means it's not you know opposed to his uh, uh will that that he desires but god is always going to give good gifts to his children when we ask him you can be confident of that and so you think about gratitude you think about thankfulness and we say you know, we often just feel like victims of our circumstances and situations that come into our lives, victims of all that happens to us. We feel like whatever good that happens in my life, I have to accomplish. But prayer teaches us the exact opposite, that we have a God who, who loves us, that we have a God who will work for us, even though he is the God of this universe. He hears, he answers our prayers. And I, I just... I picture this, and um, Eric and I—you know—we've prayed together a lot, uh, doing prayer meetings and stuff. Um, and and, and like, we just have this image of like God Almighty on His throne, yet He stoops down to hear little old you and me. Like, what a wondrous gift! And then, like little old you and me, God reaches down with power and does His mighty work in response to our prayer. This is an amazing gift. I feel like if you have spent any time serious with God in prayer, pleading with God in prayer, you have seen these miracles take place. You may have forgotten them, and that's what, what we got to do. We don't, we don't want to take these things for granted. Like that person that you prayed for, and you're like, that, that, there's no way that person will get saved. And then, boom, hey, guess what? <laughs> they, they, man, this conversation happened, and they, they gave their life to the Lord. You know, like, I, I have so many of those. In my mind, some in the distant past, some in the, the recent past of, of what God has done in answer to prayer. And it's not just saving people. Uh, that's just one of the things I get most excited about, that, that God answers prayer. And this is an amazing gift. So not only should it make our hearts be, be overflowing with gratitude to God, that he would give us this amazing gift that we do not deserve but it should keep us from taking prayer for granted. It should make us engage in prayer all the more, knowing God's given me this amazing gift. I should use it. <laughs> like, I should, I should use it. If God really hears and answers prayer, like, and this is a gift He's given me out of the kindness of His heart, then, like, I should engage in prayer. I should plead with God in prayer the way Moses did and the way uh, God answered. Moses, I I can expect to happen in in some form in my life. What an amazing gift prayer is to be thankful for. God hears, God answers our prayers. Now, I'm still not going to try to answer the mystery of, of God's sovereignty that he presides over, that he has the, the, the world planned, and yet we are still very responsible beings. Like we take real responsibility for our choices and our actions. Our prayers still really matter. I'm not gonna try to solve that, um, but I, I kind of wanna bring it up again of like, well, wait a second. If God already has all of history planned, he already knows what he's going to do, then why does he have us pray in order to then do those things. Like if it's, if it's already what God planned, I mean, I can tell you, God, God what really would have destroyed Israel, but God knew he was not going to destroy Israel. Like I, I just firmly believe that God already knew exactly what he was going to do here. Uh, I don't think it was a hollow threat. I think it was real, they deserved it. And God really uh, had this holy uh, desire to consume them in that moment, but he knew. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let them stay. I'm ultimately gonna continue with them uh, to the promised land. So why would God have us pray? And by the way, I just want to point out, like again, how clear this is. Uh, Jesus, this is right before He gives the Lord's Prayer. So like teaching us to pray, like teaching us how to ask for our needs and, and things like that. Jesus says this: uh, when you pray, this is Matthew six, seven, and eight. When you pray. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows that you need knows what you need before you ask him. I mean, there it is, plain as day, like your father wants to take care of you and he already knows what you need even before you ask him. Like you're going to pray for it in 20 minutes. He already knows it. He already knows what you need. He already knows what he's going to do in response to your prayer. He, he's already got it. Your prayer is already a part of his plan. Your prayer is already a part of the sovereign outworking of his redemptive, glorious plan in this universe. And so that leaves us with the question of why? <laughs> if he's already going to do it, like why make us ask for it? why, Why have us ask so that he can answer instead of him just doing what he's going to do? Here is the second big principle I want you to see and I want you to be thankful for. And this is one God is really teaching me right now. Number two, be thankful that God deepens relationship through prayer. And what I mean is our relationship with God through making us pray, god is deepening our relationship with him like taking it to another level you know we, we live in a world that's like we have you know contactless payment and we have all these things that like can keep us as unrelational as possible i'm convinced that it would not be hard to be a hermit in our current world like you know you, you drive somewhere but then you, you park inside your garage and close that door and like you never even have to see your neighbors you don't ever have to see a grocery store attendant. Like you can order your groceries online. It will be sitting at, uh, at your front door. Like you, you can do life. You just like put in a, a request form and things happen online. Like if I've got some brush in my front yard, I go on, on uh, Chattanooga, whatever, government.gov and uh, you know I do a request form and they come and pick up that, that brush. God is not like a request form. Like, maybe you order sushi. I don't know. They give you those little forms, you just like kind of check the boxes. God isn't like that. you just kind of check the boxes and hand it to your waiter, and then then boom, there there there's my sushi. I got what I wanted. I typed in the right words, clicked the right boxes, and now there's no brush in my front yard. my My request was answered. God is not like that. I, I just want to help you understand where I'm coming from here. <clears throat> Lately, even in my own prayer life, what I've realized is, I'm still praying, like I, I, there's not a day go by, goes by that I don't pray to God, that I don't make requests of God, maybe even confess to God and, you know, ask forgiveness. Like not a day goes by that I do not pray, but plenty of days go by that I don't like commune with God. And this is what God's really been drilling into my head, head lately of, Jeff, you've been talking at me, not with me. You've been sending in request forms, but you haven't been doing relationship with me. And here's what I want to show you. Prayer, the way God has sovereignly ordained it, keeps it from becoming a request form by his grace. God draws us back. And I want to show you how God does that uh, with, with Israel here. How he builds a deeper and deeper relationship with Moses through prayer. Um, Exodus 32 to 34, I don't even know how, how long of a time span that is, and we'll, we'll see that in a moment, but God does not immediately answer Moses. Like, he doesn't immediately give him uh, what he is requesting, and so he has to, to dig in. Um, so we, we see this again. I'll just kind of go quickly through this. The, the first time God says, you know, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make, make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord, his God and said, oh Lord, and then I, I kind of cut out the middle of the prayer and then God responds and the or, uh, and the response is the Lord relented from the disaster he had spoken of bringing on his people. So so God answers Moses and says, uh, or it does answer Moses' prayer and does not destroy the people, but, but there's still a lot of problems hanging in the air. Moses says, okay, God didn't destroy them in this moment, but is he going to st- destroy them tomorrow? Like it, it, Is he, even that, if he doesn't destroy, or do we still get the promised land, this land he promised to us? Is God still going to go with us? And so this draws Moses back into prayer because he doesn't get like a, a full answer from God. Uh, Exodus 32, so the next chapter, or no, sorry, same chapter at the end of that one. So the next day, this is the next day after Moses goes down, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. I'm again, sort of skipping here. But now, if you will forgive their sin, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. We saw that last week. It's a great picture of Christ, him offering himself up. But here's what we have going on. Verse 33, but the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you, that the promised land. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And we see here this this almost mysterious verse verse 35 then the lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one that aaron made and so so god's still punishing we don't we don't know any more biblical information about this plague that came upon israel in this moment uh, this is the only mention of it is here in in verse 35 of Exodus 32. So God is saying, like, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm not going to d- utterly destroy them, completely wipe them out, but there's still this play going on. Now you're going to get the promised land, and I'm going to send my angel before you. And we're going to get a little more information. If you just go to the next chapter, chapter 33, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> the Lord said to Moses, th- there's no separation here, by the way. Like that chapter 33, that's a man-made division. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff necked people. So Moses is making progress. He's getting answers from God. Okay, I'm not going to utterly consume them and wipe them out. I, I, go, go ahead to the promised land that I have promised to your, your forefathers, and I will send an angel with you, and, and he will drive out uh, the, all, all of your enemies but I will not go up among you. Remember, just before this idol incident, God had been giving Moses instructions for the tabernacle where God would dwell among his people, where his glorious presence would reside among them, where they would have relationship with God, you know, through the priesthood, through the sacrifices, through the prayers, through all these things. And God's saying, I'm going to send my angel, but I'm not going to be there, my, my blessed presence, God is everywhere, but you understand the, the difference between God's tangible blessed presence right there. So this draws Moses actually into a whole season of prayer. And this is what I mean by, we don't even know how long this is, uh, how, how long this period is. <clears throat> Exodus 33, uh, seven through 11. There, there is no tabernacle yet. And this is, this is what's going on. Uh, Exodus 33, seven through 11. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the Tent of Meeting. So this is not yet the tabernacle. This is in this time that God hasn't yet fully answered Moses' desire to to not only keep from destroying, but to go with them. And so Moses says, okay, I'm going to set up a tent. So during this time, he used to, it says, I'm going to set up a tent far off from the camp. I know God won't go among them. He says, if I go among them, I will utterly consume them. So Moses goes far off outside the camp, sets up this tent of meeting, and it says, um, going on in the verses, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So people would still even kind of make requests of God through Moses uh, for this. Anyway, verse eight, whenever Moses went out to the tent, All the people would rise up and each would stand at his door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud, that's God's glory here, the pillar of cloud would descend and uh, and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. Uh, Verse 10, And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship at his tent door. So they'd stay at their own tents, far off, but they'd see this in the distance, Moses meeting with God. Verse 11, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then it goes on to say, when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua uh, would not depart from the tent. But the idea is, during this season, Moses was pleading with God. He, he sets up a place of prayer outside the camp, that is, away from the distractions and, and, and away from the people that would be even consumed by God's presence. And there he would, I, I don't know how long, a week, a month, I, I don't know, um, he, he would set that up and he would go out there. And there, God would meet with Moses. The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. You say, face to face, I thought no one could see God's face and live. And we all get, you know, we struggle with that. God doesn't have a literal face. You understand that? Like Jesus has a literal face because Jesus is God incarnate who took on flesh, who took on a human body. God the Father is spirit, has no face. When this says face to face, that's um, anthropomorphic, is the word. It's it's giving human characteristics to God, even though He is not human and does not have a face. What it's talking about is you know when you, when you're with a friend and you're speaking with them, like we generally look each other in the face. And, and when you're looking each other in the face, you get more than just information, the transfer of information. You get to know that person. You, you, you're looking into their eyes. You see if it's filled with pain or with joy. You see as they talk about certain things, their eyes light up. You see when they talk about other things, their heart sink. Like that's what it means to speak face to face, for Moses to speak face. This is doing actual relationship with God. This is not filling out a request form. Moses does not go to the tent, okay, Father God, uh, where's my prayer list? Uh, God, please uh, don't destroy Israel. Please go with us. All right, uh, forgive our sins. All right, bye, I'm gone. No, this is face to face. This is relational interaction that God has drawn Moses into. So again, I don't know that Israel was at Sinai Uh, for just under a year, so I don't know how long this season was of of Moses talking and pleading with God, but as he's doing it, relationship is happening. God is talking to Moses as one speaks to a friend. There's a bond taking place that would not be there otherwise, and so uh, we continue on. We can jump to uh, where the breakthrough happens, Exodus uh, 33, 12 to 14. It says there, Moses said to the Lord, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. I mean, God has said, I'll send my angel, but it's like, but you know, like I, I want you kind of. So Moses said, yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore God, if I have found favor in your sight, please show, your, show me your ways that I may know, know you in order to find favor in your sight. I me mean, saying, God, I want an even closer relationship with you, I want, to, I want my pleading to have, have effect because our relationship is so deep. Then he says this, consider too that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now that's not the answer yet to Moses' prayer. I underlined it on the screen there. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Both of those are singular. Like you can look it up in the Hebrew, and you can do it through Bible software. God is not saying, I will go with Israel. God is saying, I will go with you, Moses. He has not yet fully uh, given Moses what, what he is requesting. And so, again, Moses is drawn even deeper into prayer. Exodus 34, 15, And Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. So Moses is like, you know, if you're not going with me, what what I'm really talking about is us, though. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? So not just me. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? So, Moses is saying, God, okay, you've said even that you would go with me, that you would give me rest, that I would get to enjoy your blessed presence. But what about us? I want us, all of us, the nation of Israel, I want you to dwell among us. I want you personally to lead us, not just some, some representative angel. I, I want you with all of us. And this is where we get the resolution finally. Verse 17 And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken. I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Okay, Moses, this is, this is that, so I don't know how long this took, but God, it went from, I'm going to destroy Israel, to, okay, I'm going to still go with Israel, but there was a huge, not huge, I, I don't know, <laughs> there was a, a significant amount of time in between the two happening. You say, well, if God already knew that he wasn't going to destroy them, if God already knew that he was going to go with them, then why was there such a significant time lapse? God was graciously drawing Moses into relationship. He was talking to God face to face as one speaks to a friend. And look at what the very next verse is, Exodus thirty-three eighteen. 18. It's no longer a request for, for, you know, physical blessings that, that God w- would protect her. The next thing Moses sa- does is says, please show me your glory. I mean, this is what the relationship has built from, from, th- from these requests that have come from a crisis situation, right? It was a crisis. Israel was going to be destroyed. And so he was praying, and now it's I'm, we're, the crisis is relieved, but I have a new request. God, show me your glory. I want want to know you even more. I want to see more and more of how great you are. And God does show him his glory. I mean, this is all happening in this prayer. Uh, Chapter 34, verses six through eight. Moses, you know, requested there in 33, please show me your glory. And we'll talk more about this in the future, but 33, six through eight, this is when it happens. The Lord passed before him, before Moses, and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, um, A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. We're going to talk about that. That'll be next week, about how can he be a forgiving God, but one who will by no means clear the guilty. Like, what does that mean? But... God does reveal his glory, both the, the tangible shining presence of God's light and also the, the depth of God's nature. God is revealing his attributes and his ways to Moses in, an, in, in a powerful way. And here's what happens. Verse eight, and Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped and worshiped. I mean, this is what's going on is a crisis happens. But God hears and answers prayer. Moses knows that, so he, he goes to God in prayer, and God draws it out, makes it be a significant amount of time before giving the full conclusion. God is building, cultivating a friend relationship, one where you know not only facts and throw up uh, quick requests, but one where you know them face to face, know what's going on in their heart, and God, through that, reveals his glory to Moses. I'm not saying you'll have a shining light experience. I'm just saying God will reveal his glory in response uh, to prayer and through this building of relationship. And what it leads to is Moses bowing his head toward the earth and worshiping. Just, God, I now see that you're better than I ever imagined. I, I now see that you, your, your character, your beauty, your kindness, your love, and even your justice are more beautiful than I ever imagined. I have not only Know the facts about this, but I have experienced you, God, in prayer. This relationship with God has been built, and so I think about our own lives. Of of, we, we just say, you know, I've got these unanswered prayers, and it's it's frustrating. And and like, does God not know how hard this season is, and how nice it would be for Him to answer? I would just say this: Do not begrudge God in the waiting season. Be grateful to God. What he is doing is giving you an opportunity to enter into relationship with him. And and don't take that gift for granted. You know, like, yes, go to God with your requests, but stay there in his presence. Talk to him. Even listen for his still small voice in your heart, directing you, guiding you, changing you. Moses is going to come down with a shining face in a couple days. Being in God's presence will, will change you. It will make you live and act and think and believe differently than you did before. This is what it does when we are in God's presence. And so I, I, I don't want to guilt you today. I, I want to show you this amazing gift that you and I have of prayer. God has allowed humans to talk to him. And God not only hears, but he answers our prayers But God, in his wisdom, knows when that answer should come because he wants us to be coming back to him over and over again in prayer in order to build that relationship. And I would encourage you, by the way, not to wait till the crisis. (laughs) Like, it doesn't have to be a crisis to come to God, to make it regular, to go and set up your prayer place outside the camp and go to him and talk to him as as a friend face-to-face. Like, it doesn't have to be a crisis and God will still do the same thing in your life. you will build that relationship. And, and I, I just want to challenge you here because it's something I'm seeing in my own heart. One of the ways you can know if your prayer life is adequate is if that worship and thankfulness is there or it isn't. I mean, I, I would just ask you, like, when you think about God, is your heart just immediately like... <gasps> it's so beautiful he's so he's so great he's so beautiful and like your heart just overflowing with worship like did you have this just compulsion to whether in your mind or with your mouth just praise god for his glory to worship him this is what happens when we spend time with god when we spend time with god we will be we will begin to value him as he truly is if you have a small regard for god And and I'm telling you guys, I confess this to my Czech friend. I'm like, you know, uh, what if I just, like, you know, I know God loves me, but, like, I've got to actually care that God loves me. Like, I know God is in control of my life, but I've got to actually care. I've actually got to value that. I've actually got to treasure that. And he's just like, it's prayer, man. Like, again, this is just such an amazing conversation I had with him. And I want to tell you that. If you don't, your heart doesn't sing when it thinks about God, go to him in prayer. Spend time with him. It may be difficult. It it may be trying. Like Satan, I can promise you will attack your prayer life. He will make your life busier, more chaotic, more hectic, because that's what Satan brings. He brings heck into your life. But you got to fight it. You got to say no. I, I want God. I want God to be working in my life. I want to see His glory. I want a relationship with Him, because I want my heart to be overflowing with worship towards Him. And it can happen. 2 a.m. Uh, Thursday night, I laid my head down on the pillow and just said, God, you're so good. I cannot believe how, you know, these, these past few hours I spent in prayer with you, I just didn't wake up this morning thinking I'd lay down just my heart singing in praise and adoration to you. And I, and I don't want to let that go as though it was just my check friend had something magical. No, it, it was God. It was God, and I can go to him today, and I will go to him today. And I did on my drive here, and I did during the worship service. I just, I'm with God and it is growing my worship. It is, it is uh, making me want to be more like him. And it's
1: making me want to tell more people about him.
0: Friends, again, this is why we exist. To behold the glory of God. His glory is being revealed day after day in this world and through Christ Jesus. And, and in our lives, the way he's working, we have to behold it. That we can worship him. We can grow in him. Then we can go and spread his glory and his gospel to others. It will not happen apart from prayer. It is a gift that if we refuse to use it, if we are ungrateful, if we take it for granted, ignore it, we will suffer great loss in our lives. Loss of, 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 of knowing the worship of God, and that's just aside to even our prayers being answered. It is a wonderful gift to have prayer. And so I want to invite you, even now, we're just going to take a little more time than usual in prayer, to to truly just bow your heads, and we're going to talk to God, and we're going to thank him
1: for prayer. Father God, we, we
0: all come before you now. In your presence, we recognize that Jesus, our Savior, is seated at your right hand. And no matter the failures and sins of this past week, we can come to you because we are united to your son who has paid the full price and there is no condemnation for us as we come into your presence. And God, we are so thankful that you've given us this amazing gift of prayer that we can spiritually but
1: really come into your presence. And God, we thank you that you answer
0: prayer. That though we may not understand the mystery of your sovereignty and how it interacts with our requests and our prayers, we, we believe, we believe what you have promised, that you hear and you answer our requests. And so God, we thank you for this amazing privilege that we can have an impact on this world, that, that you want to bring good things into our lives through prayer. And God, we commit even now that, that we will come to you for our daily needs, that we will come to you in the moment when we're struggling against sin, when we're struggling with anxiety, when we're struggling with any of a million different things that might happen. We, we're we're going to come to you, God. We're not going to neglect this amazing gift. We're going to come to you and make our requests known to you. God, because we believe that you hear and answer prayer. We do not want to neglect this gift. And so we commit, God, we're going to come to you in prayer.
1: And God, thank you that though it may not feel good to us sometimes, when you wait to answer our requests quickly, that
0: you're actually drawing us into relationship. That, God, you want us to know you the way you know us. That you want us to, to speak to you face to face
1: as to a friend God, we want to to not just know facts about you. We want to know you. We want to have a relationship with you.
0: And God, we want our hearts to soar in worship and adoration. And we want to spread this gospel because we are so excited about you. We want our lives to change, our habits to change because we're doing relationship with you.
1: God, would you help us?
0: Again, any now, you, you know the commitments I've already made. But Lord, would you help us to be thankful for this gift, to feel how amazing it is, and to commit not to take it for granted. To even now be thinking about when we are going to spend time with you in prayer. To think about how our habits are going to change from just a checklist, a to-do list to actually doing relationship with you in that time. God, we want this so bad because we don't want to neglect this amazing gift you've given us in Christ Jesus. Lord God, just
1: meet with us even now. Make our hearts happy
0: in you that you would want to talk with us. And let us know that this is just the beginning of the happiness, the delight we will find in you if we keep coming to you in prayer, resting in your presence, talking with you, thanking you, confessing to you, making requests of you, all these different things, and then listening, see if you have anything to say to our hearts. God, we pray these things, thankful that Jesus has uh, made all of our prayers, yes and amen because of what he did on the cross. And so in his name, I pray all these things. Amen.